Are you a woman who has struggled with the secret shame that goes with viewing pornography and other sexual sin? Are you tired of fighting the same battle and making the same promises to the Lord only to continue to find yourself committing the same sexual sins over and over? My name is Kim and I have good news for you. No matter how long you've struggled, there is hope for you. You can be free to experience the abundant life Jesus came to give you. I struggled in the darkness of sexual addiction for 23 years and now walk in freedom. I wrote 40 Days of Purity for Women with you in mind. If you are ready to take a step of faith, this course, I believe, could be your catapult to the purity your heart longs for. To register for the 40 Days of Purity for Women course, go to purelifeacademy.org and click on the Women link. That's purelifeacademy.org. Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm super excited to finally actually have on our program Crystal Renault Day. And so, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It has been, it seems like a long time coming to finally be able to connect this way. Yeah, well, I feel like in many ways our, our ministries have kind of been going along on these parallel tracks. I mean, doing different things, but it's been kind of fun to watch your life and ministry from afar. I've actually known about you and your ministry for a while. We've actually been referring people to your ministry for a while. Uh, so it's it's been a long time coming to actually have you on the program so that our listeners can get kind of a firsthand um, uh, listen to your life and and what you're doing. So for for our listeners who maybe have not heard your story or are not familiar with um, even how you got into this space of ministry of helping women dealing with sexual brokenness issues, can you give us a little bit of your background and then maybe a little bit of, of even the the transformation that's occurred even in your ministry? Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, my story really begins at the age of 10. And I am home alone after school and I stumble into my brother's bathroom and find a magazine sitting on the counter. So that I've already aged myself by saying I found a magazine on the countertop. But that is how I was exposed to pornography. And I say exposed because I should never have have found it. It was it was not something safe for me to have found. Um, So I didn't just find it. I was exposed to pornography by um, by being there. And so at 10 years old, you don't have the greatest. judgment and decision-making abilities. And so at 10 years old, I see this magazine sitting on this countertop and I'm thinking, what is this? How interesting, how intriguing. And so I decided to to dive into it and begin to consume the pages. And inside that magazine was not just centerfolds, but this was an explicitly sexual uh, magazine with sexual acts depicted on paper. And so it was overwhelming to the senses of a 10-year-old girl. And it was overwhelming to my body, my mind, my heart. And it was, again, intriguing. But I also had this sense of shame. Like, this is not meant for me. This is not something that I'm supposed to be looking at. And yet, I kept engaging with it. And instead of going to my mom or my dad and saying, this, this is what I found in my brother's bathroom. You should you should make him be in trouble. Um, I just kept it as secret as he did. And kept going into that bathroom regularly every day after school for quite a while. 
But then one day, and it's hard now to look back 26 years and say, what what was the evolution of that exactly? But one day, there was no magazine, and it was gone. And I just didn't know what to do with myself. At that point, it was like I had become, you know, fixed on it and hooked on it, and I needed more of it. Didn't know where to get it from, though. And at that point, you know, you're talking, I don't know, 90... 899. Um, the internet was just dial up, you know, there wasn't much availability, but there certainly was cable. And I would go, you know, on the TV and try to find things that would provide that same kind of uh, jolt, that same kind of hit excitement that I'd get from that magazine. And eventually I would go on the internet when we get when we got that in our home. And this was something that just progressed and progressed and progressed and never told anyone. And I remember remember being um, back at church at 15 and going to a summer camp and being terrified because if I go to summer camp, then I can't watch porn. I can't masturbate. I can't do all these things that I have now become so engrossed in and still went and still had my experience there. And thankfully, in that space, in that time, I was before that I wasn't really a Christian Um, God was in the home, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And of course, with my porn use, there was so much shame Mm. that God was far from me at that point. But I'm at this summer camp and I hear this sermon from the camp pastor saying that you have a father in heaven who loves you and who loves you unconditionally. And for me, with my father, my my earthly father, who while he was in the home, he was distant, unavailable emotionally. Having a father who loved me and who loved me unconditionally somewhere in the universe seemed like mm-hmm. a great thing. And so I signed up for that and, and and received my salvation at 15 years old. But, you know, I didn't become, I didn't all of a sudden not have an addiction to porn. Um, that was still there. That was still a part of my story. And of course, becoming becoming saved, my salvation, and then still struggling the shame of it was just compounded because I'm thinking, why am I still struggling? Why can't I overcome? You know, I thought, you know, God washed my sin clean, you know, and all this stuff, but I still struggled. I think that's the misconception too, is that, oh, as Christians, we don't struggle, but we continue to struggle just like non-Christians do. And for me, it was, again, it progressed and I didn't know who to talk to, didn't know how to tell someone because at that time, specifically, women were not talking about porn use as it related Mm -hmm. to themselves. It was mostly about husbands, churches were talking to men about, you know, men don't watch porn. And so the idea was, hey, I'm a woman, I struggle with pornography, I must be like weird, something's wrong with me. And so I didn't tell anybody because of that isolation and shame that was just so much heavier because I felt alone. And it wasn't until I was almost 19 years old. So we're talking close to a decade of, of struggle by myself, isolated, that I even told anybody my story. And the only reason I told someone my story is because they told me theirs. This woman named Anne mm. shared her story with me, talked about her struggles with porn in high school. And I didn't know why she was telling me this story. I thought maybe she knew something about me. It was trying to like bait me. Um, but thankfully, you know, as we've seen so much in culture lately, the two most powerful words in the English language are me too. And I was able to have that conversation, that me too moment with her and even and finally be 
open and honest in a conversation and accountability with somebody about my struggle with porn. But not only that, but going to counseling and getting help for what was underneath all of that behavior. Why was I driven to pornography? Why did it satisfy the longings of my heart in such a counterfeit way? Um, and so that was a process of healing and recovery. And it was one that I was happy to keep silent <laughs> for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. I really had no plans to ever share my story publicly And I was really of the mind frame of, thanks, Jesus, let's move on. I have my healing, my recovery. Yay, thank you. Um, But fast forward at that point, five years, I guess, I'm on staff at a church, my same church that I had gotten gotten saved at. And our pastor had a moral failing, as they say. Um, Mm -hmm. He um, was forced to step down due to a long-term affair with another staff member. And that was really jarring for me. One, because this pastor Mm -hmm. was um, a spiritual father for me. He was very, we were very close. He cared about me. I cared about him. And um, so it it rocked my foundation a little bit. And I had to kind of recenter like who's on the pedestal, this pastor or God. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my come to Jesus again, kind of, you know, um, event sort of. But it was the catalyst of starting my own ministry for sexual brokenness. Because it was something that became so aware to me that pornography, sex, affairs, you know, all these behaviors, sexual brokenness could impact those who you would never suspect. And it was, I felt God was calling upon my heart to say, you have a story to tell. You've been through something and you need to start, you need to start sharing that story with other people. And so at that time I was blogging a little bit, but I ended up, um, Re- totally restructuring my blog into something called Dirty Girls Ministries, which um, was what, which was the the um, the infancy and the conception of um, my ministry. All you know, back in two thousand nine was when uh, Dirty Girls Dirty Girls Ministries really was founded. But prior to that, I started leading groups at my church in two thousand seven. So I've been doing this work for like 14 years, um, which is unreal Mm -hmm. to think about. But Dirty Girls Ministries evolved. You know, I was able to create books and curriculum and write and get opportunities to share my story um, and globally um, and really provide a place for women to find help, hope, and healing. And that has been my my heart and my mission ever since. And in that course of time, I went back to school for those who don't know, you know, you probably don't know, but at 19 years old, when I was in recovery, I failed out of college with a 1.7 GPA um, because I just couldn't handle what was going on at that time. And fast forward, you know, I guess a decade, I'm, I've graduated with my master's degree with honors um, because I had a purpose and a mission on my life that God has given me. So I'm now a certified coach and a pastoral counselor, master's level. And um, we revamped Dirty Girls Ministries in the last year as well. Um, Dirty Girls Ministries was a nonprofit for that basically 10 years. But over the course of time, as my education has grown and things like that, I have, we, I dissolved it as a nonprofit and rebranded it She Recovery sherecovery.com and that sits under my counseling practice living on purpose and so that is where we are Mm -hmm. today with lots of resources and things available but 
Sorry, it's not short. My story is long, um, but that's where we are, we are today. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. And there's a, there's a couple of things I want to I want to just highlight and maybe even draw out a little bit more in your story and and even how it relates to ministry. And um, two of those would be maybe um, one is you talked about just that that power of me too right? Just how powerful it is that there is a space that people can come and say, me too. And you mentioned the the lady in your life that went first, like the lady in your life that, how, how, uh, how much did that influence when you really started feeling God's call on your life to take your story more into the place of helping others? How much did her willingness to go first influence you in your call to help other women? I think truthfully, and I haven't even thought about it that way before. I think truthfully, it, it did influence it a great deal. Because I think about women now who who reach out to me or my organization for counseling or coaching, and they don't have that me too story. They don't have the someone in their life who has told them their story and walking in freedom with them. Um, and so I think for me, I wanted, I've always wanted to be the one who went first, uh, who told her story first. And that really actually was the heart of my first book, Dirty Girls Come Clean was to say, let me be the first one to go. And then you can start to really acknowledge your story as well. And so, yeah, I think in a, in a major way, it influenced it, uh, influenced my call and my mission and, and what God is having me do now. The other thing I wanted to ask is, you know, you had, um, you had a couple, I'm sure you had more than a couple, but a couple that you mentioned of kind of these moments of, of a crisis of faith, like, Hey, you come to Jesus, right? Or or Jesus finds you more accurately, right? Mm-hmm. When you're 15. Yeah. And then, hey, magically, your porn struggle didn't go away. And, and then later, when you're actually working at a church, this spiritual father of yours, you find out about the secret going on. How did you navigate through those times of these are moments where, hey, that can that can go right to the foundation of your trust in Jesus in terms of am I on the right path? Like if, if we're told that Christ can make us whole and can actually transform our lives, I didn't see it in my own life at 15 immediately. And now I'm seeing somebody that was in a long-term deceptive, you know, lifestyle. How did you navigate through that? And how do you help other women navigate through those very natural crisis of faith moments? You know, one of my favorite things about being a pastoral counselor is the fact that I can help people through their faith crises. Because, um, you know, the crisis of faith is a very real thing. We all experience hardship. We all experience crisis. We all have kind of catalytic events that either drive us towards God or drive us away from God. And so much of that comes down to your view of him. And I think for me, that going back to 15 years old and that salvation moment of a father in heaven who loved me and who loved me unconditionally, I think in my home, I felt like love was somewhat conditional. And so when I found, or God found me, Jesus found me, this idea that he would love me unconditionally in spite of my sin, 
um, was part of what kept me going in that faith journey. Um, I don't know. And I, and I probably had some discipleship at that time that was, you know, not talking about pornography because I wasn't honest about that, but that would talk about other sin issues and how we are, we are not going to be perfect and that the, that the journey is not about perfection, but about it's a process. It's about pursual of Jesus, not perfection. And, and I think that carried over into when that this pastor had his, was, was stepped down from leadership as well, because, you know, I did see him as a spiritual father, somebody who I could go to and, and cared for me and was discipling me the way the father should. And yet he too failed me. Um, or so it seemed. And it was one of those crises of faith. You have to, you have to separate, you know, the earthly person from who God is mm. and the perfection that he is and that he is not going to fail you. And he's infathomable. Um, and so, and that's really the, what I had to work through. And I went, to, I went to counseling at that time too. Our, our church um, offered free counseling during that time for the staff to kind of process through what was going on, which I'm very thankful for mm-hmm. um, because I did have to kind of process through those feelings of se- separating, you know, a spiritual father from my earthly, from my true heavenly father um, and really come to terms again with the fact that there is a father in heaven who loves me, loves me unconditionally. He is He's there for me. He will not fail me. And again, that's discipleship. That's relationship with God. And I think that's really what's most important because sometimes our surface level relationship with God is, is shaky. Um, and if, and if, if it's not a deep relationship, if it's not rooted in intimacy with him, then those earth shattering catalytic events can really cause us to fall away. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you another question too, kind of just about this, uh, this timeline of your, your ministry, because um, you were single when you started yeah. Dirty Girl Ministries. Um, Very, you're not, extremely. You're not single anymore. So can you talk a little bit yes. about how even just your own your own marriage, uh, What, how did that influence uh, ministry? How is that, uh, what has that journey looked like in terms of either uh, transforming or even reshaping some ways in which you have communicated? Because I look at it this way. I mean, I've been in this space of ministry for 18 years. Um, when I look back at like the first couple of years of ministry that I was doing, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I just have the hit the head moment and go, well, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I mean, I was married. That didn't make any difference at all. It was like, I didn't know. So there's a maturing process. So you've been doing this for 14 years. So I want to kind of get all of that mixed together in terms of like, what was it like to start in this space of ministry as a single woman and then now you're married. Um, I mean, I assume that doesn't do anything to change the message. <laughs> because right. when we think about God's design for us as, in terms of sexual beings, I think there's a there's a universal message there that doesn't matter whether you're married or single. But I just love to hear your progression of how that how you've transformed over 14 years in ministry and marriage. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing this ministry in some fashion for 14 years. I've been married for three, um, or just about three. Uh, and so, yeah, I've spent a lot longer single doing this ministry than I have being married. Um, you know, I, for a very long time, and this is a message for singles that I think I'm about to preach right now, is this idea that you don't, we don't wait for marriage to start your life. 
You don't wait for marriage to pursue your calling. And I think that for me is, was the biggest thing is that, you know, at 23, 24, I'm blogging, I'm doing groups. And then at 25, 26, I'm releasing books and starting nonprofits. Like that's insane. Um, and I think I look back on that time period and it's like, I've lived like a thousand lives in the last 14 years doing this ministry and doing the work that I do. Um, but what was so important through all of that is I don't know that if I got married at 25, would I have done this? Mm. Would I have, would I, would I, ha- would I have pursued this the way that I have? Um, and cause really it was the confidence of knowing I was doing what God was calling me to do is really what made me continue to have that confidence going into marriage because I was able to explain to the man I'm dating, this is what God's called me to do, whether you like it or not. Right. Um, and, you know, then I've been doing this for a very, very long time and I'm not going to stop. So if you're comfortable with it, you're, if we're not for each other. Um, and that's, and that's really what happened. You know, he was very, very receptive early on. And of course my porn story, when you, when you think about um, telling someone you're dating about your porn story, like, you don't usually do that the first date, but because of what do you do for a living, it's, right. it just comes right out, right? Um, and so it was one of those, like, you'd be able to rule him out right away if he's not going to be able to handle it, you know? That's a major but litmus th- test, right? <laughs> it is, yes. And he was just so receptive and thought it was amazing. And he had his own journey, not with porn, but other mental health issues and different things that he worked through and overcame. And you know, so there was things that we could, that we had mutual understanding about our, our previous life experiences. And, um, and even now, you know, there's, there's things about what I do that I don't think I could have truly pursued had I not gotten married, mm-hmm. um, simply because of the security of having another income, you know, with yeah. um, my husband. And so like, actually saying that I'm going to go full time with just living on purpose and she recovery, which is what we ended up doing at the, at the beginning of COVID last year was I quit my other jobs. Well, actually I was, I was an assistant and lost my income um, for one of those jobs. And then I stopped working at a counseling center because it was, because we were locked down. Mm. And so it really was kind of that, okay, we're just going to do this. We're going to pursue this and see what happens. Um, And I don't think I could have done that in singleness. You know, I would have had to figure it out other things. So to have the support of my husband is, is you can't put a price on that. Yeah. And I'm very thankful. And I want women who are struggling with porn to hear this, who are single, um, because like you can overcome your struggle. We know that, but it's also not going to keep you from a wholeness of marriage that God has for you because you know, I went, I was certainly not a virgin when I got married, when you're thinking about virgin of mind, physically I was, but not of mind. And mm. yet we have such a full marriage, intimately, physical, physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. and spiritual intimacy that are so full. And I want women to know that that's possible for them as well. Um, I didn't think I would get married. I was 32 years old when I met him and in purity culture standards, that's like a grandmother. Um, and so I just, I didn't think I would actually get married. And yet God surprised me again with, you know, that kind of event that would allow me to do what I do in a bigger way with a lot more freedom, actually. So well, I love, I love what you're saying, especially to, uh, to single women. And cause what I'm hearing you say is, um, uh, listen, this, this pursuit of recovery is about a pursuit of relationship with Jesus. And when you start doing that, the intimacy that you build with him 
he will guide you in whatever the next part of the journey looks like, whether that is marriage or some ministry or something else. Um, yeah. So I love that because I think you're you're bringing it into what is most important for a woman to pursue in terms of want, wanting wholeness in her life. Now, with that in mind, I'd love to, for us to spend the last you know bit of time we have here really kind of having you speak directly to the women in our audience who maybe some of them have shared their story, but maybe some of them haven't. And they're just wanting to know like, okay, Crystal, if I were to reach out to you, like, what can I expect? Like, what what kind of environment am I being invited into? What would I be asked to do in order to actually start moving on this path of transformation? What would you say to the women out there that are on this journey or would like to get on this journey? Yeah. You know, one of the first things that I say to women who come to us, and we offer free consultations for counseling. So if you're interested in that, you know, there's no risk. Just have a conversation with, with myself or my other team members and we can see if it's a good fit. But one of the first things I like to make sure that they understand is all of these, all of this sexual brokenness, um, whether it's pornography, whether it's compulsive masturbation, whether it is you're having, um, you know, you're having, you're having random sex, you're sexting, whatever it might be that if it has become compulsive and addiction and addictive, these are just behaviors. And so if you're coming to me and you're thinking, I want to stop watching porn, I want to stop masturbating, I want to stop doing all these things that are bringing me shame, it's not enough just to talk about the behavior because behavior modification doesn't work. What happens with behavior modification is that you stop one behavior, but then all of a sudden you're going to the fridge too much or you're shopping too much or you're, you know, whatever. We transfer addiction. We call that addiction transference. And so we have to look at the why. And that's what you're going to experience with She Recovery is is uncovering the why of your behavior. What's driving it? What was the cause? Is there some root childhood issues like me that I was filling intimacy needs and affection needs with porn? Um, Or did you have sexual abuse in your background? Is there something else that went on that is, was the catalytic event for making you susceptible to this type of behavior? Because we have to get to the root of it in order to get through it. Um, and I, I come, I don't know how you feel, Jonathan, but I come from the perspective and the philosophy that once an addict does not mean always an addict. I truly, truly believe in total restoration, total redemption, total freedom. Amen. If you do the work, if you do yeah. the work, um, which, which the work that, that, that is required of you is digging deep, digging down into what's, what's the cause of this, but also digging deep into an intimate relationship with Christ. Let mm-hmm. him restore, let him redeem, let him remold your heart um, and your mind into, a, into, into balance again. Because I always talk about how, you know, addiction is just, it's just, it's behavior out of balance. Um, and so let's, let's like, let's, let's let God, who is not a God of chaos, but a God of order, help you to restore what has become out of balance. Um, because we are all designed to be sexual beings, single and married. We are sexual beings, but we have to be in balance about what that means and in, um, and in, um, in alignment with God's standard for our marital season. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what 
they're going to see from me. I'm tough. I'm a tough coach. I'm a tough counselor because I've been there. I know what all of the lies and the (laughs) deception and all of the stuff looks like. So I know I know how to pinpoint it. And my team as well are all um, recovered um, addicts as well. So we uh, we know what we're looking for. We know what we're looking to do and, and know what to do to help you get where you need to be. Yeah, well, I, I definitely share your philosophy. I always like to tell people, um, we believe that you can be totally free from your addiction, even if you are not totally free from temptation. Yeah. So it's like we put those things separ- in separate categories. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to promise anybody. Jesus was tempted. Yeah, I'm I mean, not going to promise Jesus anybody that I can take them on a journey where they're never going to be tempted again. But I do yeah. believe the gospel says you can be totally free from the chains of any kind of addiction or any kind of stronghold. So I think we're tracking on that. I did want to ask you a question before we before we uh, let ladies know how they can get more information from you and kind of get uh, connected with your ministry. When you talked about, hey, there are having been there and your team having been there, what are some of the key characteristics you look for or that you see in women who, quote unquote, eventually make it? In other words, the ones that really do break free, what are some of the key elements or key characteristics or even key behaviors that you see them engaging in that you say, this, this lady's on the right track. She's going to be okay. You know, it really, I always ask for a certain level of commitment at the beginning of a counseling journey with a client, because I do think it takes a certain amount of sessions, certain amount of time to really see, you know, really get you to that place of like understanding what your root causes are, dealing with all that stuff, processing that, learning to manage your emotions, learning to to feel your emotions and not just escape. Um, and I think the, the clients that do the best are the ones who commit to that, who are coming to sessions regularly, they're engaging in group, they're accepting accountability, um, they are allowing themselves to feel again. Because so much of addiction, rec- you know, recovery is about learning to feel again. Because so much of us, we don't want to feel the bad emotions, the negative emotions, but God created each and every one of them. And we are designed to experience them. And so the one who's really able to to work that that process, kind of work the program, so to speak, to uh, face their emotions, um, work on discipleship, renewing their mind. The one who's the ones who are really committed to that process of coming to at least six or seven sessions, they're the ones who are finding recovery and long term recovery and doing very very well. And you know, they're in. It's important to say this too that you know. It's not some secret formula. Like we're not saying, oh, give me three months and you'll be free. But it's about the commitment of like desiring change. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of women who come who think they're ready to face the things they need to face. And then once I start to touch on some things, they're not. And then I never see them again. Um, so there really has to be a, a readiness. And those who came ready are the ones that do well. Yeah. And, you know, I think I love the fact that you're also inviting them into uh, really a growth mission, uh, yeah. because I think, uh, you know, Crystal, if I were to ask you bluntly, hey, are you are you totally finished with your journey in terms of like maturity and wholeness and Jesus? And it's like, I think you would probably say, I probably still have a few more things that I need to work on. But you can also say yeah. with total honesty, you're totally free from addiction, right? Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. totally which, is more important that, which is more important yeah. that, a, that a person 
just be quote unquote free from addiction or that they be on this lifelong journey of continuing to grow and mature in the relationship with Jesus? Is that, is that kind of what you're inviting these women into ultimately long-term? Ultimately long-term. I think all of it is a discipleship process, process of sanctification. It's the ebbs and flows of life. And what is helpful for a lot of women too is you're, you're constantly on this growth journey, but also you've learned tools along the way that when you're faced with another crisis moment or a catalytic event, you are not drawn towards your behavior again, your negative behaviors, your addictive behaviors, but you're drawn forward into the arms of Jesus or community discipleship. Um, and you're engaging relationally with people and you're aware of your feelings, you're aware of your emotions. Um, and that's really where, once I see someone doing that, that's what I can see. Like they are, they are on this growth journey and they're doing it well. You know, um, I can't say that sexual brokenness is really, I'm not, I'm not going to say I've ever arrived at being totally temptation free from that, but there's other areas of life that have come along that have been difficult for me that have, you know, you, you, and you have to ask yourself, how are you going to manage the, these feelings? Like right now I'm walking through an 18 month infertility journey, mm. you know, so it's difficult and it's hard and I don't wish this on anybody. Mm. Um, but every once in a while there's that inkling of wanting to escape and it's not escaping necessarily into porn or masturbation or by myself or, or away from my husband, but it's other maybe escaping behaviors like binge watching you know a show on netflix instead of engaging in my feelings or going to counseling or talking to my husband about my feelings Mm. um so there's all kinds of things you can look at and say that's also not in balanced behavior that and you're still escaping your feelings um that i have to keep in check myself even today yeah thank you for that i think you i think you just modeled what vulnerability looks like in the journey because I think <laughs> yeah. we do need to continue to be open about those things because what you just expressed was, hey, you know what? That that original training that you received that says we need to look at the things behind the behavior, those are things that are still serving you well today, right? Whenever yeah. these other issues are coming up. So yeah. this has been a phenomenal conversation, Crystal. I just want to commend you and thank you for responding to that call of God to say, hey, step out, tell your story, go first so that you can help other women um, tell their story as well. <laughs> yeah, I never knew that's what he was going to have me do, but I'm very thankful for the for this journey as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, we want to, uh, where can our, uh, the ladies that are listening, where can these women go to get more information from you and resources from your ministry? Yes, probably the easiest way. Everything we have is listed on SheRecovery.com. So there you can find our virtual meetings. We have our online Facebook community, which is free. Um, We have obviously links to our counseling and coaching resources. And then our new podcast as well is available all on the SheRecovery.com. Okay, well, we will definitely be sure to put that in our show notes and direct people. But Crystal, thanks again for being with us. And um, and, and we're going to have to not wait another 14 years to have you back on the uh, on the program. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's been great to be with you. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.